I'm Crystal Escobar. This is episode number 82, Parenting After Mormonism with Leah Young. Welcome to the Mormon Enlightenment Podcast, hosted by Wannabe Balanced. My name is Crystal Escobar. And I'm Sean Escobar. This podcast started out as a self-help podcast for moms and has transformed into a documentation of our journey out of Mormonism. Our goal is to make it safe for others to live their authentic life, break free from social norms and limiting beliefs, and inspire others to courageously share their truth. In February 2018, Sean published a recording between him and the man who sexually abused him as a child. This man was the director of the most recent Temple Endowment video, and the story was featured on the front page of the New York Times. Sean has become a powerful advocate for victims of sexual abuse. Crystal founded the Wannabe Balance brand in 2010 and recently published her first book. Now we have decided to partner up and grow this special post-Mormon community. We want people to feel safe to follow their hearts, even if that means leaving one's lifelong religion. Not only should they feel safe to leave, they should be able to do so with their dignity intact. Hey everyone, I hope you're hanging in there. I hope you're not freaking out too much. That's really kind of the message that I'm hoping to send out there to all of you guys is to just stay calm. We're going to be just fine. We are going to be just fine. I really believe that. So I know a lot of you are experiencing some anxiety and fear, and I just want to remind you to remain in the present moment and everything will be just fine. Practice a lot of meditation. Let's stay off social media a little bit. And I know it's nice to stay connected in this way while we're quarantined. Um, but I, I would highly recommend not watching the news. I mean, you get the bits and pieces, whatever is essential for you to know. But I think it's just best for us all to do as much as possible to stay in the present moment. Focus on all this amazing time that we have with our kids and this downtime. It's It can be a very beautiful thing if we can shift our perspective from fear to just full-on appreciation and gratitude for for this time. And I know that's hard to do. It's a, It can be a scary time if we allow our minds to go there. But um, before I play the recording that I did with Leah, Leah Young, she's amazing. I'm so excited to um, share what we talked about because, um, you know, as we are really trying to get used to this whole homeschooling thing and being quarantined with all of our kids, I mean, there's just a lot of adjustments that I know we're all working through. And so that's why Leah and I wanted to do a podcast episode about parenting because we're with our kids like 24 seven right now. So (laughs) I know we can use all the help that we can get. And so in the beginning of our conversation, we talk a little bit about how we are handling this homeschooling, some tips, some of the things that she's doing with her girls. Also, I just uploaded a YouTube video on my Wannabe Balanced YouTube channel. If you guys want to check it out, it's kind of an inside look into what we are doing for homeschooling. Also, I plan to be sharing a lot more like um, positive messages, things that we're doing to be self-sufficient. I'm really excited about getting my garden going and doing as much as we can to really take care of the earth, take care of the environment, take take care of our bodies, our immune system, everything that we can do to be um, full on self-sufficient 
grow as much food as we can, really just um, be less wasteful and more mindful in the way we are treating our beautiful Mother Earth. So check out my channel and subscribe if you want to stay updated on what we're doing and the changes that we are making um, little by little. And I just think that this whole this whole thing can be a huge wake-up call and it can be a beautiful thing. I see a lot of amazing changes that are going to happen from this and I think we can just see it as a really positive thing in the end. I know it's hard right now. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, but I feel that this is just such a great opportunity to make some big changes. We've got to make some changes and what better time than the present. So I know, I'm, I'm sure many of you know who Leah Young is. Sure love that woman, love their family. I first heard of the Youngs through Mormon Stories podcast. I so I listened to their their interview on um, with John DeLynn and their story hit me so hard. Like it was such a powerful interview. I pretty much bawled through the whole entire interview. I was probably m- maybe six months out. All my emotions were so fresh and I just needed to hear everything that they said and just to see a family like them go through this transition was just so comforting to know that, wow, these are amazing people, amazing people, like cream of the crop. And to see them go through a faith transition, it was just so comforting to know that, you know, we've, we're told that the people who leave the church are the ones who want to sin and, and all that. And they just look down on, you know, oftentimes Mormons look down on people who leave the church and um, you kind of feel it's hard not to allow those those judgments to get to you. And so when I see people like amazing, rock solid, totally spiritual, successful, smart, um, when I see families like that leaving, I just feel, I feel really proud that people like them are on this same journey as us. It just makes me feel like, oh my gosh, I'm part of their tribe, you know? <laughs> it just feels good to know that to know that. Um, but I just love their family. Uh, Leah, she has four girls and I feel like I really just look up to her in so many ways. And she just always has such amazing advice to share around parenting. I just think she has such a gift around parenting. And that's why I wanted to have her on to talk about, um, to talk about this. She is, uh, now a life coach. So if any of you are struggling in the, at the moment and you're really needing some additional help, when it comes to your mental well-being, then I would highly recommend you contacting Leah and um, talking to her about what kinds of programs she's ha- she has as far as um, life coaching goes. So anyway, let me just go ahead and start the recording and thank you all for listening. So what I first wanted to talk about is is a little bit about how your homeschooling is going. <laughs> Give us some tips on how are you handling this whole um, transition and now that we have to homeschool our kids. Like, I, I just want to hear, get an inside scoop on what your days look like and some things that you are finding to be very helpful, managing your time and keeping your kids on task and all that. So tell me. Yeah. So um, this has been a little bit of a surprise for all of us, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of being thrown into to homeschooling unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, so we uh, started this two weeks, almost two weeks ago, it's been. And 
It's a little bit interesting because I have kiddos ranging from, you know, high school, a junior in high school to second grade. And we know that kids at different ages, you know, different things work for them. So I kind of have to find a flow that works for, from top to bottom. Um, and so what we do is we have a daily five that's sort of our holy grail. And um, I hope I can remember these off the top of my head. There's five things that we do every day. Um, and then schoolwork kind of fits in between that. And I can kind of explain how that's working. But the five things are we have creative time. We have reading time. We have kindness time. That's, that's a time when we do something kind for someone else. We have music time. And we have physical time, movement time. Hmm. So those are the five things that before there's ever a talk of like um, sort of any extracurriculars, not that there's a whole lot right now, but you know, screens in particular. Yeah. <laughs> those are things that need to have happened beforehand. Um, I yeah. like that. We, we're, ours are, ours is kind of similar um, except for we aren't doing kindness, but I love that. That's something I definitely want to incorporate. Like w give me some examples for, what are um, some things that they can do for kindness, also for creativity? Because I have a, a, a list for my kids as well, and I want them to spend a, a portion of time being creative. And I think I just, I think my kids are like have a hard time being creative. And so <laughs> I need to help them, give them some more ideas, because all they can think of is like draw a picture or I don't know, or I don't know, they just, they seem like they have a hard time being creative and thinking of new ideas. They just want me to tell them all the time what to do. Sure. Yeah. I think that's a common challenge. And, you know, one beautiful thing about this experience that we're all having is it's offering us the gift of boredom. Mm. And I really have experienced that boredom can be such a, really a gift. I guess that's why I said it that way for kiddos. And this is kind of where creativity can emerge and it's so um the platform is there and and the how to um is a little more challenging so i love those questions and do you want me to go through each of those five things and just share some ideas kind of around each of those five things? yeah yeah definitely okay. so with reading time um this can look a lot of different ways obviously for my older girls this might look like an assignment um like a chapter book that they're reading um but some other ideas might include um, doing audiobooks. I know right now the Calm app, I think if you go to store. We'll just Google it. Not sorry, not the Calm app. Um, the audiobook app, Audible, is oh. offering free audiobooks right now. Oh. Thousands of free audiobooks. Oh, that's awesome. So something kiddos could do is they could put on an audiobook and do puzzles. Or they could lay under their favorite tree and listen to an audiobook. Um, something else that they could do is create a cozy area for a readathon. Um, I know our kids have, on like the first or second day that we were officially quarantined, um, well, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, a home from school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not, uh, not encouraged to go out. Yeah. We set up a huge six person tent in our basement. Oh. And um, the kids brought in lots of pillows. They even brought in a little bookcase and they strung up some uh, Christmas lights. Oh, fun. And so I know for kids, it can be finding a, you know, a fun reading nook or 
put up a tent, you know, in the basement if you have some space. Um, so creating a fun space, maybe a fun snack can be helpful. I love, um, love that. Yeah, they've enjoyed that. Audible is such a great idea. I don't know why I didn't think about that sooner for my kids because I love Audible and I know you do too. <laughs> it's like the way we consume our books, the majority of our books. books. But I think I just didn't really think of that for my kids, but I think it would actually be a lot. Um, I think they'd be a little more excited about listening to a book as opposed to reading. Although I, I know that it's important for them to read a, mm -hmm. a book and to hold a book and you know see the words and everything. But you know, like you said, it could be, they could be listening to a book while they're doing a puzzle or drawing or something like that. So I like that idea. I think mm. my kids might really enjoy that. <laughs> or even taking a bath or going on a bike ride or um, there's so many kind of self-care and fun things that they could do also yeah. while they're, you know, if it's something they're really consistently doing every day, mixing it up like that can be helpful. Oh, I like that. Um, one last idea is we have Shel Silverstein poems and something that I did growing up and that my kiddos have done on car trips and things, this is something can be incorporated into reading time is memorizing poems. And so a possibility for this time when we're all in could be, you know, you memorize this big poem, that's, you know, 20 minutes of screen time or, um, or I don't know what kind of a, something that would be compelling for your child would be, um, you know, 20 minutes of extra reading time with dad um, at night or whatever it is. So my kids like to memorize different poems and there's different sort of a, a payoff that feels encouraging to them. Um, and these are poems that they, they've memorized and that they can recall, you know, to their kids someday. So hmm. that's another idea. I like that. Yeah. So for the creative time. Yep. So for creative time, um, some ideas. One thing we did yesterday as a family art class, there's lots of tutorials um, on YouTube for anything you want to do. So watercoloring, sculpting, clay, uh, gosh, Play-Doh. Um, they could come up with their own or they could watch a tutorial and they could learn to create different things. Um, another thing you can do is a child can learn a new thing to create, whether it's a cooking project or um, whether it's an artwork project, and they can be the teacher. So for their creative time, they can really kind of hone this new craft, whatever it is, um, for, for Avery, our second, that's, she loves to cook. And then for um, our other kiddos' creative time, they can kind of be the students learning from the teacher. Mm, I like that. Um, sounds fun. This is, so also for our older kids, journal writing fits into creative time. Um, there's all sorts of things, right, that you can pull from that can yeah. be creative time. It could be chalk drawings outside. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a, some ideas for creative time. Okay. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And then for kindness? Um, for kindness, something my kids are doing right now, actually, as we speak, is they're creating, um, they're going to be heart attacking some doors in the neighborhood. We have an elderly lady that has pneumonia right now. Um, so they're going to be doing some hearts with different quotes and things that they love about her. Um, it could be writing a letter to a family or friend. It could be Skyping with somebody. It could be um, doing something that's self-loving for themselves. That's for our kids. We allow that. So um, again, back to a long bath or maybe just a slow walk around the neighborhood. Um, it could be emails. Um, it could be a service in the home towards another family member. You name it. Those are some ideas. Oh, I love that. That's so yeah. awesome. Really good tips. I'm like so grateful because <laughs> I feel like I've got a good list 
um, created for my kids, but I, I feel like I need to be more specific and help them, you know, have more ideas as, as to what they can do for like the creative time. And I really do like the whole kindness thing. I need to incorporate that for sure. I want, I think it's a great, um, this being home, you know, doing homeschool, I can see a lot of um, positives to this. I know it's stressful for all of us, but I really am like secretly grateful because we're always so busy and it's like this, as soon as the kids get home from school, they want to be with friends or they want to have some downtime. And I, I don't, I feel like maybe sometimes guilty to be like, you know, the second they get home to be like, okay, now you got to do this, this, and this. They just kind of like want to bum around for a minute and then go hang out with some friends. And so I, I've never really had the time to um, enforce or encourage them to do a lot of these things because I just feel like the time is so limited. So I'm really grateful for all this additional time. It can be stressful with the fighting. (laughs) My kids Mm -hmm. argue a lot and, um, or they just don't want to do what I ask them to do. Maybe that's something you can, um, some tips you can also share as we get more into this conversation, Mm -hmm. like how to, um, you know, I, I think it's, fun to talk about how our parenting has shifted Mm -hmm. since leaving the church because our whole mentality has shifted and that's definitely going to overflow into the way we parent our children. And I I definitely want to get an inside look into how you have made some changes in your parenting. I know that you've also read The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family, and I love Dr. Shafali Sabari and all the things that she teaches. And I've really been trying to implement a lot of the things that she teaches. So let's let's go into a little bit of how, you know, the we wrote down some talking points. And the first one you said was growing into a new version of ourselves and how that affects our parenting. So let's start there. Yeah, thank you. I love that question. I think that um, as we transition and expand and start um, realizing we don't have all the answers, it's such an exciting thing because then we get to start learning again, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When we think that we have it all figured out, and I'm not saying that everybody um, in any given religion feels that way, but I I can just speak for me and say, um, I thought on so many fronts, I, I sort of had the answers. And, and when we think we have the answers, we stop asking the questions, yeah. right? Yes. And, um, that's really damaging to growth. So like you said, um, I feel like I've tried to be a, a thoughtful, intentional parent, but um, going through this transition has really helped us to sort of rev that up and, and see things differently and move away from more of a traditional authoritative model, which is um, it's really something that Mormonism, uh, reinforces this model. Um, it's sort of a control structure, um, very rooted in fear and discipline. Uh, it's a conditional love model. And in this model, we see children as empty vessels and we, uh, are there to properly fill them sort of with the right recipe, sort of how the church gives us the quote unquote right recipe for happiness. Right. Um, yeah. So for most of us, for most of us, this is our default conditioning um, culturally. Um, and then for those of us who are stepping maybe out of a religious paradigm, also religiously, this is very much um, where most of us are coming from. 
And like you said, Dr. Shafali Sabri um, and other just wise people speaking around conscious parenting help us to learn um, that this model is really parent-centered in that we are given an invitation to look at ourselves and to see how we're triggered um, and to grow and to heal and to sort of embody um, who we're striving to you know, help our children to become, which is themselves. <laughs> Yeah. Themselves, right. Yeah. Um, and so in conscious parenting, it's really rooted in respect um, and connection. Um, it's rooted in this idea that kiddos come with goodness. They come with an innate sense of um, morality and ethics, um, that children are not empty vessels, that they're full and that they came as enough to this planet um, in this mindset, children's viewpoints are, are heard and considered. It's, there's still boundaries, but they're enlightened boundaries. So a little bit different than punitive punishment. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So those are some I, of the differences. Yeah, I like that because it is, it, it's interesting in the beginning when we first left the church, I just felt really confused. Like, oh my gosh, like how do I even, like what's, I just felt so scattered all over the place. And I did not know mm -hmm. how I wanted to move forward because I felt like so much of the way I parented had to do with me being Mormon and trying to instill all these different beliefs in my own children and having this goal in mind of how they were all going to turn out. And, and now just throwing all of that out of the window and really taking a good look at things and how I've done things in the past and trying to see through a new perspective is very challenging, but also exciting because I can see, um, now I can see clearly the ways that I was, you know, teaching my kids was probably not in their best interest for growth and also having their own sense of um, power and authority over themselves you know it is more of like the dominant like you better listen to me you need to honor your father and mother meaning like you do what we say and and like you have no voice that's kind of what it felt like like you are not allowed to to voice what you want or you know so how do you find that balance between allowing them to be their own person, but also having those rules in place. Like that's where I think I still struggle. Like how do I allow them to make their own choices, but still with some type of um, boundary? Cause it's like, you can't just let teenagers, for example, do whatever they want. There's like, to some extent you have to look out for their safety. You know, they're not, their brains are not fully developed and that, you know, although you, we really want them to, be allowed to make their own choices there's a certain line where you feel like you need to step in at, at some point you know and be like no you can't actually do this like maybe when you're older you can try this or that so tell me how that goes how do you allow your girls to have their own voice and to make their own choices but still able to keep them safe you know doing things like for example like Lily hanging out with older boys like we just don't feel like that's safe so it feels like mm -hmm. we can't allow her to do that but then it feels like we're taking away choices from her yes yeah great questions um i'd actually like to ask you a question back if, if i'm allowed to do that yeah yeah for sure <laughs> um i would like to ask you before i get into this how does it 
feel for you? How do you experience your energy around parenting, around um, your success or failure in parenting, around your vision of you know, raising these human beings? How does it feel now versus how did it feel in the church? It felt, it definitely feels a hundred times better and a lot more liberating. And I feel like I have a lot more respect for my kids now. And as opposed to me just feeling like I'm smarter than them and kind of treating them that way. So I, I definitely feel like I, it is a more loving approach. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, I, I wanted to ask you that because I think so often when parents are considering this transition, that one of the scariest things for them can be, oh my gosh, am I losing the way to parent? And are, am, am I going to ruin my children? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've experienced, and it sounds like what you've experienced, I think you shared a little bit of what you've experienced. Um, and what I hear so many experience is actually it's really an empowering parenting journey that can lead to greater connection, that can lead to less stress, that can lead to more unconditional love and less conditional sort of framework around what's acceptable. Um, And so I just really want to highlight that for any parents who are listening to this, because what was the scariest aspect of our transition was, are we doing the best thing for our kids? Mm -hmm. That kept me up at night and it was so overwhelming. Definitely. yeah, you and I took a, a different approach with our oldest daughters. Well, I mean, you allowed all your daughters to have the choice as far as whether they would like to go to church or not. And for me, it felt like it was, I desperately wanted to allow Lily to have the choice, but mm-hmm. it just felt like we had no choice but to say, no, you have to be united with us. You can choose to go to church um, when you're older. But right now, um, I think just based on, her personality and what we knew about her and how attached she is to her friends. I felt, and they were all in her young women's and we just felt like we needed to draw a hard line and kind of say, no, you cannot participate in any of this until you're older. And it was really hard. And she was so mad at us, so mad at us for like Mm -hmm. a whole year. And she just, it was, that's where I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm making the biggest mistake. Like maybe we should have just let her go. Like I would rather her get to go than to have her hating us like this. And, but now everything has come full circle. She is so happy. We are so connected. She talks to me about everything. And I feel so grateful now because I couldn't see that we would ever get to this place. And I had so much fear that I had you know, messed her up. And I wished so badly that we would have discovered the truth about the church, like even just two years prior, because then it wouldn't have been a big deal because she never really enjoyed church. But then she just got into young women's and, you know, they make it fun and they feel all grown up and they get to go to girls camp. And so there's the fun aspect to it. And then with all of her best friends being in her ward and then her young women's, it was really challenging to be the one that does not get to go. And I felt like in the beginning, because she had so much anger towards us about the church, I felt like it would only draw her closer to the church and her friends. And we would feel like we were constantly, like she would have this judgment towards us. You know, we didn't think, feel that she was like 
mentally um, capable of seeing it for what it is and ha- and making um, smart choices. It was more just like, I'm mad at you. I want to do my thing. And it was more socially. It wasn't the fact that she even really believed in the church. She would never really, I'd always have to like force her to like even say prayers. Like she would never say her own prayers. I would be like, did you say a prayer? She's like, no, she never did. And she never wanted to read her scriptures. And she, oh, every time we were at church, she'd be like, can we go home? So I knew it had nothing to do with her beliefs in the church. It was more of, I don't want to be the one that's different in the neighborhood. I don't want to be um, judged or talked about, you know, and so that's where it was for us. And that was really hard, but I love that you, um, give your daughter's choices, but like, have you ever been faced with like certain things that you feel like, okay, I, I'm trying to let them have their own choice, but I know that they, this is not going to be good for them. Like, where do you step in? Like, (laughs) yeah, great question. Um, and I'm going to answer that right now. And I'm also going to say, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I think what's really important is that we're all in such, we're all in such different circumstances, mm-hmm. raising such different humans. And that's, that's a really important thing to listen to our intuition and to realize no two situations are the same. And, um, you know, and we did it differently and that's okay. Right. Um, because, because we, we know also, our own children, like we right, know their personalities right. and we know what they, yeah, it's just, I think it has a lot to do with you being their own parent and knowing their personality so well that you can't just look at another person and be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do it the way they're doing yeah. it. It's like You really have to decide on your own and it can look very different. Like your transition out of the church can look very different from one person to the next and you can never just take other people's advice I think when it comes to this situation because you have to really consider every so many different things you know your extended family you have to consider mm-hmm. you know the personality of the ch- the child and you know all these different things come into play it's layered and it's complex and I yeah. think you hit the nail on the head when you said no tr- no two journeys are the same it's great all the resources and the support groups it's so fantastic your podcast so many great podcasts out there Um, and, and, and I'm not a parenting expert and anyone who would say they're a parenting expert right out there also doesn't know exactly your complex circumstances. So, um, I guess, um, I'll, I'll go into kind of this question, which I think you've posed twice, which is so good, which is, okay, so then what, uh, we do need to have boundaries. We do need to have rules and, and we do have those in our family. And how does that look in the framework of sort of conscious parenting. Um, and so again, just saying, I'm, I'm figuring this out myself, but I'm going to offer um, a framework, some concepts, and then I can also offer a story or two that might really bring it home. Um, okay. If, if that feels useful. So yeah. the idea is that we're shifting from um, consequences to, to enlightened boundaries. So there are, it, it isn't, I think we make a big mistake when we think, oh, there's just, the rules go out the door and boundaries go out the door. Um, those things feel really important to me. Yeah. Um, how they're changing for us is, um, first of all, awareness around our reactivity. So as parents embodying 
um, how, how am I with say this thing or how am I in my response? So consequences can be very reactive. It's like, you didn't do this, then you don't get to do this, right? Mm -hmm. um, you're rude, then you, you know, whatever. It can be punitive. It, it can tend to not really have anything to do with what's going on. Um, there can tend to be very little communication. And let me say this, sometimes there is very little communication. And sometimes, sometimes I feel like that's what's best. Now, generally with enlightened boundaries, we really want to um, approach the situation in a non-reactive way. Um, we want to recognize that sometimes as parents, as humans, we get in this fight or flight, right? It's part of our mm -hmm. evolutionary DNA. Mm -hmm. um, so pausing um, and even, even saying that, I, I need to take a pause right now because I can tell I'm really upset. And so I'm going to circle back to you um, when I'm ready to talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, we are communicating a lot more in an enlightened boundary. So um, if it feels appropriate, given whatever it is, you know, there's so many 10,000 10, different circumstances, right? But if it, if it feels appropriate to the situation, there's a lot of communication that takes place. Um, there's emotional connection. So it's really this feeling of uh, we're on the same team here. Um, and it's also a willingness, I think, as conscious parents, as people who are striving to be conscious parents, <laughs> mm -hmm. is, is asking ourselves, um, is this pointing back to me in any way? Like, am mm -hmm. I potentially a part of this problem? And just taking pause to, to have that inner reflection can be, can be really healthy mm -hmm. um, for us to continue to grow. So that's kind of out there. Um, and maybe um, I could offer a couple thoughts around that to give it yeah. some form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a story, because I just mm -hmm. want to see like, how does that look? Cause I, yeah. I still feel when I read um, the awakened family and the conscious parent, it, I think I just still feel, and Sean especially is like, no, you can't just let them do whatever they want. You know, like basically yeah. that's kind of what she's teaching, but I know she, she just, you know, I, I know she doesn't mean it to the, to the extent of, yeah, they, they are allowed to just do whatever they want. They get to make their own choices. Like they, we knew, we know their brains are not fully developed and that's why yes. they have to have parents to guide them. And so it's like, it's, it's just so hard for me to allow them to make their own choices, but at the same time, keeping them out of danger that we feel, <laughs> you know, like you're trying to strike a balance. And, you're yeah. trying to strike a balance. And I will say this, I come from a background of John Roseman. Okay. And he's a, he's very much, um, I think would, would, would very much debate with Shafali Savory on some things, on some points. For me, what feels helpful is feeling like I have a solid understanding and from sort of the John Roseman perspective, which has been very, very helpful for me. And I've sort of merged that or married that with Shafali Savory. So we do have quite a structure and quite a framework in our home, but there's principles that help me to be more thoughtful and conscious around the rules and the boundaries that we have. For example, let's take it back. Cause I remember in the beginning you said, how do you get your kids to do those things? Like you have this framework, right? Mm -hmm. uh, these are the things that need to happen. So 
I would say to that sort of in light of um, conscious parenting and yet having a framework, right? Sort of having, having these guidelines, mm-hmm. I actually don't tell my children that they need to do it. So it's sort of this rewiring. It's just a slight change. So instead of you have to do these things, it's like, mom, can I watch a movie? Oh, well, sure. Have you done these things? Mom, can I, can I get on the computer and, you know, do this? Um, yes, you're more than welcome to do that once these things have happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's just this little tweak of, yeah, our kids have responsibilities every day. So they, they have dishwashers, they have Saturday mm-hmm. jobs, they have Brinley sweeps the hardwood floor every night. And um, Brinley puts away all the clean dishes every night. I mean, they have very specific jobs. It's how I approach those that change. Now, so there, there are specific responsibilities and there are specific consequences that they are aware of. So meaning Brinley knows that if these things don't happen, that's her choice. They cannot happen. But also these are privileges that you have in our home. Mm. There's lots of privileges. Yeah. And these privileges are offered to kids who are contributing in these ways. So the key there being the consequences that we have, the kids know about. So we're all not, so it's not like it's going to be random or it's going to be confusing. It's like, if these things don't happen, here's, here's also what doesn't happen. These privileges don't happen, right? Uh Oh mom, can I go play with my friend? Oh, you absolutely can on a day when you've done your morning responsibilities. And today you didn't choose to do those. So you know what the answer is going to be. Okay. So you're still giving them choices, but I mean, you're still having your own boundaries and things that you know are, you're enforcing these things because you know it's important for them, but you're still giving them choices. It's, it's, it's moving away from you have to, I'm forcing you to wrapping it into here's our core values, right? What are our core values? And one of those is contributing to family or one of those is honesty or whatever it is, right? And, and mm-hmm. we hope that you'll choose to embody contributing to our family or ha- being proactive or whatever it is. We mm-hmm. hope you'll choose that. We can't make you choose that, but we have systems in place to help you grow in that way and to encourage you in that way. It's like, um, let, let me even make it more granular. So for example, instead of finding ways to say no to things, we try and find ways to say yes to things. So for example, you would have noticed it when I said, or you could have noticed it when I said, when my child says, can I go do this thing? And that's a privilege that because they didn't do something else, they're not extended that privilege. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying no, I'm saying, yes, that's absolutely an option when you do these things. Mm-hmm. So it's a slight tweak. So how I see conscious parenting is for us, right? What works for us is having a family flow that is very much connected to what feels appropriate in helping our children develop. So honesty or, you know, whatever it is, um, Mm -hmm. contribution in our family, in our home is really important for us. Um, and so, 
I just lost my train of thought. Family, <laughs> family contribution is important for us. I was getting more granular. Okay. Um, and so instead of saying, it's, it's just a tweak, instead of like, you have to do these things because you're a part of our family, right? You have mm -hmm. to do these things. Or else, mm -hmm. if you do this, you know, you have to do this or else. It's getting rid of the or else. It's getting rid of that energy. So the tweak into conscious parenting is our family prioritizes everyone contributing. And these are the things that we all do in different ways to contribute. And we hope that you will make these choices. And if you don't make these choices, that's okay. These are the things that you will not have the privilege to do, however. And so it's like saying, yes, you have the option not to, but they're compelled to do those things. <laughs> do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. The energy changes. So it's like, um, mom, can I go out this weekend with, with so-and-so? Yes, I would love for you to be able to do that. Have these things happened? Or when will they happen? Right? Mm -hmm. It's just that little shift of energy. Um, let me give you a little story. Okay. To even kind of, because I know I'm kind of out there and I hope that this is helpful. Okay. Um, let me take a, a recent situation that could have gone either way. And this isn't a punishment thing. This was more communicating with my child. Okay. So one of my children had done a couple of things at school that maybe were against the rules, but she felt like, why does it matter if I park here, for example? Mm -hmm. um, and she had gotten called down and the way that the office people treated her was just not very kind. It was quite derogatory. She was very upset about it. Mm -hmm. And so she came home and she shares this, okay? Pre-conscious parenting, I would have probably said, child, you were wrong. <laughs> mm. You were wrong. Yeah. Get over it, right? This is, this is the way the world works. You're wrong. You know, I'm sorry that they were unkind, but, you know, you have to deal with unkind people and don't do it again, okay? Mm-hmm. The conscious um, part of me in that moment, I'm not always conscious, but mm -hmm. chose a different path. And it was this, tell me how that felt for you. Why is that frustrating? And what do you think you would like to do to, to make this situation better for yourself? So she ends up really opening up feeling really vulnerable. We had a beautiful connected conversation. She decides to go back. She has a conversation with her principal and her vice principal saying, I understand these consequences, but I really don't appreciate the way that some of the administrators treat the children. And here's why, and here's why it's hurtful, and here's why it's challenging. And she, come back, she comes back and she reports this to me and she says, the administrators, this is what I chose to do. She chose, not me. Mm -hmm. And she said, the administrators, um, they, they were totally annoyed. And they were just like, well, you know, you just have to deal with unkind people sometimes. And, and, you know, this is, you know, they've got a lot on their shoulders, this or that. Long story short, what this child ended up realizing is she said to me, you know, because I, I asked, what are you learning? Like, what's hard? What are you learning? And she ended up realizing sometimes the answer 
isn't in someone else. Sometimes the answer is just in yourself. And she went on to explain these really powerful sort of realizations that she was having through the experience, right? Mm. That's so really cool. all of that happened, I think, potentially, because I didn't say, well, you made the wrong choice. Yeah. And you should have done it this way and deal with the consequences. Yeah. All I did was ask the questions and listen to her and allowed her to have her own experience, allowed her to go have those conversations, which is powerful as a child going to speak to authority mm -hmm. and having your voice heard, right? Yeah. And so it's sort of, can we use some of these, can we ask questions? Can we navigate with our children to help them to discover their own intrinsic motivation yeah, I like that. That is really something that I need to think about a little bit more now thinking, yeah, maybe I'm not asking enough questions about how their choices are making them feel. Um, maybe I'm just more voicing my opinion and, and what I know, you know, from my past experience kind of thing. So I think, um, do you have any stories that are where you feel like you have to have these specific rules in place for their own safety. Like, like I mentioned before, like with Lily, with boys, you know, how do we allow our teenage daughters to date boys and have their own choices around that without um, compromising their safety? You know, we just feel like there's a lot of threats when it comes to, um, older boys or boys that we don't know, we haven't met in person and, and all this, you know, there's, we just recently had an experience with Lily, um, where she met a new boy that we never met before. He doesn't even go to her school. She met him through another friend and they were going to meet up and we got really upset. And I just, you know, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot and hoping that we made you know, we approached it in the right way because we just really felt like, whoa, Lily, like this is, this could be very dangerous. You can't just meet up with an older boy that we don't even know and mm -hmm. that you don't even really know. So mm -hmm. how do we allow those types of choices without, yeah. you know, yeah, it just feels like it's, that's a little like um, intense to just allow her to have that kind of choice to just do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll say I haven't been in that s specific situation, but I have thoughts around that that may or may not be helpful <laughs> that I'm okay. happy to offer. Okay. Um, so often when I'm talking to parents, what I, what I see, especially in times of transition or upheaval or even a, around a, a rule or a family, a, a boundary or a rule that you have, parents tend to um, not be vulnerable. And I'll say what, what I found to be helpful when I'm, when there's a rule in our family or a boundary is, you know, I, we want our children to be honest and to be vulnerable with us. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't offer that back and sometimes it's not appropriate, but sometimes it is. So for example, with Lily, you know, it is enlightened to take the child's basic needs into account. Safety is a need, you know, 
-hmm. you, you want her to be safe. And that is part of your role is to protect her and to guide her into making safe choices. Mm -hmm. So the communication here is key when you create that rule or that boundary, right? And one idea that has worked well is being vulnerable. Um, you know, maybe you or Sean saying, you know, Lily, we, we love you so much. And, you know, as parents, this is something, can I just share with you? It, it actually feels a little bit scary for us. Here's how we're feeling. We're, we're worried. We're worried about you. And here's some of the reasons that we're worried about you. Does that, can you understand where we're coming from? And, you know, and maybe you're asking some of those questions back, like, what do you think might be some of the positive or negative um, consequences, right? Because consequences can be positive or negative. Mm -hmm. what, what, what could be the positives of this choice? What might be the, what might be the negatives? Um, and, you know, here's, here's, here is a clear sort of understanding of what's going to work in our home, right? So these, these things are things that feel important to us. And here's why you could even have an option of kids creating their own boundaries or consequences. This isn't something that we've done, but I know that it's worked for some people to say, actually, there've been a couple of times where we said, okay, this, this is something that hasn't consistently worked for you. Um, that, you know, this is a responsibility you have in your home consistently. We're noticing you're not doing that. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like would help you remember to do that responsibility? That is your job in our home. Um, so it really gets down to that communication and having that energy of let's, let's be vulnerable. Let's understand one another. Um, and, and in that understanding, hopefully you can see why we're, because you don't, you don't need their permission, right? I, I don't tend to believe that we need our children's permission <laughs> yeah. to have rules and boundaries it, because uh, we just do have certain jobs as parents. But we're happy to listen to your feelings on this. We're happy to, to take those into account. And yet, still, certain things don't, um, aren't going to be an option at this point at your age, right? Like, for example, I'm happy to hear about why social media feels important to you. Like, let's talk about that. And um, for our daughter, we have one daughter with a phone, is Brinley, she's in high school. Mm -hmm. And also based on all that we know and all that we feel, and this is a topic that feels really important to us, um, you have, you know, 30 minutes a day <laughs> on social media. Yeah. And, and that's worked for us, right? I'm not saying that that would work for everyone but we try and be really thoughtful around that. And, and she's really thankful for that boundary. So even if I had a child who was like, but I really want to have three hours on social media, I'd be like, I can totally understand that that's important to you. And, and that's not going to happen in our home, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I hear you and I'm on team, I'm on team you, I'm on team Brinley. And here's why I feel like this is a really important choice to make. I feel, I hear you. I love you. This might be really important to you. I accept that. And I, I can understand that this boundary might be difficult. This rule might be difficult. But in our home, this is the way it's going to be. And we can revisit this. But for right now, mom and dad feel best about this choice. Yeah, that's really good. I like that because it's not like to be a conscious parent, mean, it doesn't mean that you throw out 
all of your rules and just let your kids make their own choices. I think that's like the initial message that I got. And Sean too, when we were reading the book, we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, so that means that they just get to make their own choices. Like, no, like that is not possible. Like these, Mm -hmm. these kids don't know all that we know yet. And there are certain things that we, certain rules and boundaries that we do need to have in place. But I like it's just a matter of the approach that we have and just allowing them to really think about why for us as parents to express why we have these rules in place, Mm -hmm. like you said, and then allowing them to asking our children more questions about why they make the choices that they do or they want to make a certain choice. And it's just, like you said, it's really good to just have a good, good communication around all this, which I think is something that for me growing up, there was not a lot of communication around Mm -hmm. why we had certain rules or, you know, wasn't a lot of allowance of me getting to express myself. And which is, you know, no blame towards our parents because we know that our parents did the best that they could with what they knew. And so we need to give them grace in that area as as well as hope that our children will also do the same because I know 20 years from now our kids are going to look back and be like oh man they really kind of messed up here but that's okay because they did the best they could with what they knew (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and you know what you're referring to is really that that authoritative model parenting is like don't ask questions this is the way it is so yeah story Mm -hmm. and it's it's just that little energy shift and you know, we're all learning, right? We're all growing. We're all learning. I see so much positive movement forward, but what I, I really like to remember myself, um, and really try and would, would want to urge any parents listening to this to remember is, is baby steps can be so effective. We do not need to throw everything out and redo everything, but a couple of baby steps that I would just like to suggest that can be powerful are what you said, Crystal, number one, questions. Like our default is teaching and lecturing. If we could make our default question asking and Mm -hmm. and curiosity and help me understand why this is difficult, help me understand, was that really hard? Why? If we could just shift a little bit from lecturing to questioning and understanding and being present, I think ultimately it's actually our best shot at control Um, but I think that's a really powerful shift. Another question that I think is so powerful, if we could have this in our mind, it would really help us make a step forward is when my child walks away from me, what did they most likely conclude? What did they conclude about themselves? What did they conclude about how safe it is to be honest? What did they conclude about our relationship? When my child walks away from me, what did they most likely conclude? Yeah. And then the third would be thoughtfulness around praising the human being, not the, because we're we're creating human beings, not Mm. human doings. Yes. So I think in the church, there's a lot of, um, you're and, good and in, because you did this kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you did this. You accomplished this. You got married in the temple. You got baptized. You made the right choice. But we're really yeah. praising what they've accomplished or what they're 
doing. And, yeah. and that can really create human beings who are focused on the end goal. And a big part of conscious parenting, I think, is focusing on who are you? What are your values? How are you showing up in those values, which can look very different for different people. And that's okay. So really just acknowledging who they're being. And this is a shift that's hard for me and I try and be conscious of it. Mm -hmm. But you know what we focus on is what's going to expand. So if I see my child arguing a lot, and I do, and I focus a lot on that, that's yeah. going to expand. But if I see efforts being made, if there is anything I can acknowledge, and boy, I, Avery, I really appreciate um, how you're, I can really see that you're in the value of service to family when you're taking all this time doing this gymnastics routine with Reese. And I just want to let you know, I, I see that. I can really see that that value is something that you're, it's important to you. Um, it's really cute at the dinner table the other night, Reese. Mm -hmm. She goes, I'd just like to take a moment to acknowledge my siblings. Brinley, I'd like to acknowledge you. And she went through each sibling. You know, they really oh, catch on. So they cute. really start to notice these little changes we can make. Mm -hmm. I also think that it's important as you know, listeners, people listening in, I think that you, in my mind, are like this picture perfect mother. And I know, oh. I know you'll argue that because we, you know, I know you're not like, oh, I'm so amazing and I'm so perfect and my kids are so perfect. But I think it is important for all of us to, you know, even though we see somebody as doing such an amazing job in their role as a mother or in any area of their life. We, we just have to not compare ourselves because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people thinking, Oh my gosh, like Leah just has it all together. Like how does she do it? Like her girls are so well behaved and they're so responsible and amazing. And I mean, I know that's how I see your kids and you, but I also know that we all have different strengths and we cannot compare ourselves with other people and think that, oh my gosh, I'm really messing, messing my kids up because I'm not doing it exactly the way Leah is, or I'm not doing this the way another woman is. And I'm really failing at this. We all just need to give ourselves that space as we go through this life and not compare ourselves with others and not even put others on pedestals and not feel as though that we need to live up to exactly what another person is doing, even though we admire and look up to them, we need to allow ourselves room to grow and not feel like, oh, I got to be like that someday. And oh my gosh, I could never be like that. I mean, she's just so amazing. <laughs> you know, all those types of things that I know that many of us feel, and I think it has a lot to do with our Mormon culture, just always feeling like, oh, I'm just not doing as good as she's doing. Like, always comparing ourselves in that, in, in that way. And I think it's important that we all take notice of that and not fall into the same comparison traps that we've felt for years, I think, growing up in the church. I think that that is actually probably the most important, important part of this entire podcast. And I'm so glad you said that. And can I just offer some real vulnerability here? Because um, I think it's 
such a good point. Um, sometimes it's hard for me. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to go on a podcast or hard for me to, um, for example, I was asked to talk about parenting at the Thrive Chicago, which was um, conference, which has been postponed. I'm so sad about. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, I was, as I was writing up my intro and as I was speaking to the coordinator, I told her, I just want to be very clear that I'm not a parenting expert. I'm really, really just kind of rumbling through this and doing the best and learning a little something new and trying to incorporate it. And I fall more than I stand and I, I have my own tears and I feel like I'm falling short and I, um, and I just feel like that's so important for people to know that, you know, as even as I was contemplating, like doing this um, Thrive presentation, which I'm excited to do at some point, because I do feel like I have a, a couple things that are helpful to share. Um, there is sort of this imposter syndrome and, and I, I suffer from it probably like others do, which is, gosh, I don't even know if I'm qualified to speak on this. And I, and I almost don't want to be seen as an authority figure or as, as, a, as an expert in any way because I'm so aware of how much I struggle and how much I fall short. And it's like hearing you say that, I so appreciate your admiration. And it's, all, it's also, right, a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit difficult, right? To, mm -hmm. Because other people, they don't know they're not a fly on our wall. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And someone could look at you and be, Oh my gosh, she's just it's the exact same thing. Right. Is she's doing the podcast and she wrote a book, Holy cow. And she's like gorgeous. And she's got this, she's got it all together. And you know, they just, we are all doing the best we can and we are all our own worst critics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as being so, someone who worked with sort of, the Hollywood elite at a certain point in my life mm -hmm. as a doula, I was really given um, a fly on the wall perspective of these people that our entire world like oohs and awes over, right? Mm -hmm. Sees they, them as perfect and amazing. Them, yeah. yeah. They fly their own planes, right? I've flown yeah. on them with their own their planes and yeah. they have literally a red carpet everywhere they go and people are, you know what? they're struggling more than the average person. They mm -hmm. are. And I saw it and I experienced it. And that was such a profound experience for me because I really, yeah, and I just want to drive this home with your listeners is that I don't have it all together. Crystal doesn't have it all together. Um, Hollywood movie stars don't have it all together. Mm -hmm. We all have a layered complex history. I have everyone has a story that would break your heart. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Yeah. I could, um, you could share stories. I could share stories and every one of your listeners could share stories. And so I hope that we can just offer so much grace and compassion to ourselves, mm -hmm. to ourselves and say, gosh, I just totally screwed that up again. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to try a little harder next time. And as I've kind of gone, continued to go on this conscious parenting journey, I've really had to, to show that to my kids as well and say, gosh, I've never actually, I think, come to my kids so often. And 
apologized mm-hmm. because I really mess up. <laughs> yeah. And I and I really have to say, I could have done that better. Yeah. And I was I was really reactionary. I was in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering how that felt. And I'm just so sorry. And those have been some of our most powerful, connected moments. Just when I'm in my um not in my highest self. And yeah. it's just so real. So just thank yeah. you. And just thank you so much for, for bringing up the most Im- important part. Yeah. This whole part. And yeah. one of the, my new perspectives that I did not have growing up in the church or even as a parent, there's always so much fear that we are doing it wrong and that our kids will not end up going on a mission or they maybe won't meet a good uh, person to marry and get um, sealed in the temple and, and all those things that we fear that what we do as a parent is going to have like this bad outcome if we, if we mess up. And one of my best new ex- um, perspectives that I have gained since leaving the church is that there is actually no right or wrong way of doing things or a right or wrong way that your child will turn out. Like we might have this goal or expectation that this is the way they're going to turn out because of all these great, amazing things that I do for them and teach them. But I love, I still love the belief that we existed before we came here and we kind Mm -hmm. of decided who we wanted to have be our parents and Mm -hmm. because we wanted to learn certain lessons. And so when I look at it from that perspective and think, well, yeah, I I mess up a lot here and there and, you know, in in this area, I'm not so great, but my kids chose me. They knew that, you know, my, my weaknesses would teach them some great lessons. And so I love having that new perspective that although I may feel like I'm maybe not doing the best in some areas or that I have messed up in the past. I don't, I no longer judge myself so harshly. Of course, we all judge ourselves and it's hard not to, but I don't judge myself so harshly anymore and have this um, fear that I really messed them up and down the road, they're really going to have issues all because of me. And I love just knowing that whatever, (laughs) whatever dysfunction they have growing up, with me as their mother is going to teach them some very valuable life lessons. Like the, the way our kids learn is not just because we do it all right and we teach them and we spend all this time and we have the right approach. Like it's not just, that's not the only way that they learn from us. They learn by seeing us really mess up, (laughs) you know? So we just have that perspective as well. Uh, Again, that, another really, really, I think, important part. And, and that idea resonates with me is that we um, may, or may, may or may not be true. <laughs> yeah. I'll say. I'm not speaking this as truth. I'm just saying yeah. the idea resonates with me that we choose who we are going to be, um, you know, interacting with on this planet. Mm-hmm. And it's both the strengths and the weaknesses. Because the truth is you could be the textbook perfect parent and you're going to fail your kids because you're going to be too perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I love like, what I Natasha- can never be like her. Like she's exactly. too perfect. Exactly. Know? I love what Natasha Helfer Parker said once. She goes, I think the best thing we can do is be mediocre parents and raise mediocre kids that <laughs> never that. left me. And I thought there's so much wisdom in that, right? So good. I love that. It's so good. And it's yeah. so true. And yes, I think the ways that we fall short, you know, there's sort of this thread I, I I've I've 
been fortunate to know some really incredible human beings. And what they have in common, what they all tend to have in common is real something or multiple things that were profoundly painful, difficult, hard. Maybe a parent as an alcoholic, maybe a challenging divorce, you know, whatever it is. And, and the only thing I can conclude is that those challenges, those heartaches, those pains helped to grow and develop that human being in ways they wouldn't have otherwise grown and developed. Absolutely. And so yes, our weaknesses can be valuable. Yeah. So be valuable. grateful, be grateful for our weaknesses and be like, oh yes. yeah, my kids are learning so much because of how <laughs> crappy I'm doing it here, you know? <laughs> well, or just give yourself love and just think, yeah. well, you know, this isn't maybe, maybe in my ideal world, which will never exist, it would be different, but I can see that my children are growing in these ways because I, I have challenges in these areas and yeah. they're learning I think that another thing that I love is that our weaknesses actually provide a lot of clarity for our kids because as they see things that they don't like, (laughs) they have more clarity around the things that they do want or the things that they do want to become or how they want to be in their own life. So that's what I'm noticing as I'm, you know, seeing the world differently and Mm. finding different things that I don't like about the way I've I'm doing things or the way other people are doing things, it's kind of, it's like a, a flashlight, putting a flashlight on and making, allowing for more clarity in your own life and realizing that, okay, the more I see the things that I don't want, the more clarity I have around the things that I do want. And we all need more clarity in our own lives. So we have to appreciate the negative and the, what we want to label as bad because that really provides a lot more clarity for ourselves. I totally agree. And I actually just tried to um, very quietly step up and grab my favorite quote, which I think would be sort of a beautiful um, bringing everything that we've just talked about here recently together. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the idea of transition, but also the idea of parenting and times when we're sad or when it's really hard Um, and times when we're joyful and we're doing it really well. Can I share this quote real quick? Yeah, yeah. Okay, here it goes. Sadness gives depth. Happiness gives height. Sadness gives roots. Happiness gives branches. Happiness is like a tree going into the sky, and sadness is like the roots going down into the womb of the earth. Both are needed, and the higher a tree goes, the deeper it goes simultaneously. The bigger the tree, the bigger will its roots be. In fact, it's always in proportion. That's its balance. Um, and the author is O-S-H-O. I don't know how to say that. I love that. That just reminds me of, I was trying to find some like educational videos on YouTube today for my kids. And I was looking through a few of the Inside Out, um, a few messages from the movie, The Inside, Inside mm-hmm. Out, and mm-hmm. how important it is that we need sadness. Like we look mm-hmm. at sadness, like, and in the, even in the movie, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, sadness is just ruining everything. You know, we all have that perspective that like, oh gosh, if only we didn't have sadness, like it's just so depressing. But uh, the moral of the story is that we do need sadness. And I love recognizing that, that sadness can be good and an important part of life. And we need to be 
careful as we approach sadness and not judge it and want it to go away so badly because sadness, like you said, I love that part where it says sadness brings roots, gives roots, you know? Yeah, so, so that the tree can grow higher. And it's, it's sort of like that reflection of uh, what you mentioned, our kids need to see how they don't want to be just mm-hmm. as much as they need to see how they do want to be. And it's, it's that, um, it's the yin yang, it's the balance, it's yeah. the people who've experienced extreme um, starvation, for example, uh-huh. are going to be so much more thankful for the food that they have some, you know, so yeah. it's this um, sadness gives us the roots uh, to grow our happiness branches higher. You could say, maybe if we're coming out of a paradigm that really hasn't worked in parenting, we can embrace and enjoy and appreciate a new paradigm that works better for us in, in a more meaningful way, you know? Yeah. Um, so and we can honor we, the challenge. Yeah. And know that nothing we've ever did, even in the past, I think I felt a lot of regret first coming out of the church. Like, Oh my gosh, I wish I hadn't have done it this way with mm-hmm. my kids. I have already got years under our belt of teaching them these, you know, the way the church teaches, which I don't really agree with anymore. Now that I'm really analyzing it, I'm just like, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But it's like, we need to also not see anything that we've ever done in the past as Mormons, as anything bad, because we're building upon everything, every experience and everything we've ever done. We're always building upon it. So. Absolutely. And that can, that can be applied to parenting. It can be applied to when our kids make mistakes and they will. Um, how do we embrace those in a new way? And how do we have a conversation around, you know, I, I guess you could see, or you, you said you were seeing Mormonism as maybe, maybe I messed them up or maybe this wasn't good. And then you kind of rotated and you're saying, well, actually, maybe it was beneficial and maybe we grew in these ways. And mm-hmm. I think that we can do that with everything. We can reframe it and we can say, yeah, so that was a really hard choice and it led to some really challenging experiences that you had. And what have you learned? And how is this helping you grow? And what do you think you'll do differently next time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we can honor and say, thank you for that um, growing experience. That really helped me so I can move forward and next time maybe make choices that are more whatever, self-honoring, healthy, um, that have better consequences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy with the way our conversation went. This was perfect. So many different things that we talked about that I really – um, enjoyed talking about with you in particular because I, I've been like when you came in town and we got to hang out for a little bit I was just like yeah. oh there's just so much more I wanted to talk to Leah about and yeah. I'm glad that we had this opportunity to have this hour-long conversation about parenting because there's so we covered so many different things and I love everything you said and I appreciate your time and willingness to be on my podcast and and do this with me it's been fun Well, thank you so much, Crystal. I'm really honored to have been asked to be on your podcast. And I just thank you for all the good things that you're doing to um, just encourage, inspire, um, provide community, create safe spaces, um, and help people feel, you know, enough and help people feel um, like here's some options to take a step forward. And, um, so just thank you for all you're doing. And I'm so excited that your book is on audible. So thank you for that as well. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, so I know now that you are a life coach and I'm sure most people know that, but where can people go if they are wanting to have some life coaching from the amazing Leah? (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, 
loving, loving doing life coaching, my website is www.balancedlivingwithleah.com. Um, and yeah, everything is there. Um, and I do have openings. And so check okay. it out if you're interested. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Leah. And maybe we'll do an episode again together in the future. Be awesome. I would love it. Thanks so much, Crystal. Okay. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Wannabe Balanced podcast. Get access to free resources available at wannabebalanced.com. If you love the show, then leave a review or share it with a friend. Until next week.